You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins. With me is Matt Adams. We are in Indianapolis, Indiana, where it is a nasty day. Rain is turning into snow. And nasty uh, is a good way to describe how we feel right now after that Colts loss to the Dolphins. Um, Colts fall at home 16-12 to to the Miami Dolphins, who were were one and seven coming off their first win of the season. My biggest question after this game is, hey Jacoby, how's that knee feeling? I hope it's feeling better because my goodness, I, I feel I feel like such a sap because we talked about last week about how Brian Hoyer came to the game. Yeah, he made a couple of mistakes against Pittsburgh, but he acquitted himself pretty well. And we think that you know he's a good backup and everything. And and now um, I, I can I rescind that podcast? Yeah, yeah, I, I remember sitting here. A week ago, saying, you know what, Jacoby, if the knee's not 100%, Hoyer can beat Miami. Don't right. even worry about it. It's fine. Take the week off. Um, now I see why the Colts were so eager to get him back um, in practice this week. Jacoby did get, did get in three limited practices. Um, Wright kind of talked about he thought Jacoby was at like 80%. He wanted to get him closer to 100%. Um, and that was the reason they started Brian Hoyer. So making his first start since week six of 2017, Brian Hoyer, without even getting a full starter's worth of reps throughout the week, um, which certainly played a role in his performance. But uh, he was, I think yikes is the best word to describe. Oh, it, it, was, it was a bad performance, Joe. I mean, the, 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 the pass completion percentage was low. Uh, Under fifty percent, and it just some of those balls we were talking in pre-show, just not anywhere near where that ball needed, you know, where they needed to be for these guys. And yeah, I mean, yikes is is probably you've got it down here on our, our rundown. Yikes is is the best word to describe that performance from him. I just thirty eight point eight percent passer rating, three interceptions. Um, he did have the touchdown to Doyle, but other than that, there wasn't a whole lot of positives to look for. No, really wasn't. Um, and on the first possession of the game, Colts, you know, move the ball, get down the field, and Hoyer throws what everyone in the building thought was a touchdown pass to Eric Ebron. He was in the end zone. He has possession of the ball, both hands on it. Um, it was one of those passes, he kind of threw it up. The defender was on his back. Um, he makes a catch two feet. As he's going to the ground, the defender kind of wrestles the ball away from him, and they somehow call that an interception. Uh, the explanation during the broadcast was that Ebron did not maintain full control of the ball um, as he went to the ground, which is why it wasn't just ruled a touchdown because he had possession. It's my opinion that was a bad call. I, I-, I thought they had gotten rid of the holding possession to the ground, a couple years ago when they redid what a catch is. I still don't know what a catch in the NFL is. Um, I thought either he's down by contact in the end zone, which is a touchdown. Um, what were your thoughts on that play? I, I, I mean, I, I thought I thought it was a touch. I, my father and I were watching this game, and we thought, you know, he had possession. He got the two feet down. That's the end of it, you know, for, for, the, for that play. Um, they did review it. All turnovers are reviewed. And what the analyst said during that game, that he thought that, you know, you have a three-part sort of rubric that you do for a catch like that, and that is possession, uh, two feet down, 
And then since he was going to ground, going to the ground, he had to maintain possession of the ball going to the ground. But as you said, I thought that they had tweaked that rule uh, a couple seasons ago, and that was no longer a thing. You know, it was big Calvin Johnson controversy and stuff that sort of hung around the league. So I thought it was going to be ruled a touchdown, and then you brought up the point where if that had been happening in the field of play, would that have still been an interception, or would have Ebron have been down by contact? Yeah. So because his knees were down, Ebron still had the defender was starting to rip at it at that point, but he still had his hands on the ball as well. So I guess the biggest question is when exactly did Ebron lose control? Or I guess I guess the bigger thing was he never. Had full possession is what they argue. I, I guess they're saying there was a little bobble in there, and I mean, looking at the replay, there there may have been, but you can't really tell. And I think it's one of those things that if they had whatever the call that they made on the field was going to be the call that was going to have to stand. And unfortunately for the Colts and for Ebron, they decided this was an interception, and then when they reviewed it, they upheld it as an interception. Um, if they had called that a touchdown, I think if they reviewed it, I think they would have had to have kept it at a touchdown. So it's, you know, and I think one official, because they, they put the points on the board, one official yeah. went ahead and signaled touchdown. One official ran then, in and called the touchdown. Then the other guy ran in and said, hey, I think it was an interception. So they had their little committee meeting, and then, then they ruled an interception. And it, it's hard to say, you know, first possession so early in the game, but if that's a Rule a touchdown. I, I truly believe the Colts win that ball game. Oh, I uh, think so. I think so. Just by the merit of the, I mean, let's face it, the defense only gave up 16 points. And uh, a lot of those points, what, 13 of those points came off of turnovers that the offense had. Technically, 13 were off of turnovers. The Dolphins still get a field goal off of that first interception. It was a touchback, so they still had to march. Yeah, they the still had to go, you know, pretty much the whole field yeah. to, to, to go. But my, my point is. Miami couldn't hardly score any points. The defense played uh, very, very well. Um, and so I think if they get that touchdown, they're in, they're in good shape. And a lot of it is just sort of like setting the tone for things. It's like... Yeah. Especially for a backup making his first start in two yeah. years. Yeah, a couple couple weeks ago they had a game where they, they got the ball and then they missed a field goal on their, their first possession. And that kind of set the tone for that game. That happens sometimes. Um you know, I feel like one I forget what game it was. Kenny Moore started the game off with an interception, and then they went down. They had to settle for a field goal. They had really good field position. They settled for a field goal, and then that game was an offensive struggle the whole way. So I think there's a lot to be said for that first possession. If you get that into the end zone, I think the complexion of the game just completely changes for the Colts and kind of how they, they feel. Momentum, maybe it's overrated, but I think momentum plays a role in these types of things, and that just swings the momentum way the other way. Instead of having seven points on the board, or six, if you don't know if you're going to hit the the extra point sure, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'll go with six. You, you, we'll say six. You get six points for sure. Uh, instead, you find yourself in a 3-0 deficit. And your point about momentum, I think there are certain games where it matters more. Games such as where your backup quarterback is starting mm-hmm. and your team is not at full strength. Game whereas you're playing a tanking Dolphins team, or at least the uh, the management is tanking. They depleted the roster. The right. players are still right. playing. They hard. want they want to win. They want to perform well. Exactly. But. Those are their jobs. Um, but in games like this, where maybe the talent is isn't where you would want it to be, momentum I feel like matters more. Um, Hoyer threw two more interceptions on the day, and 
okay, the first one was not his fault. It was in Ebron's hands. If anything, Ebron's got to secure yeah, that get football. A, yeah, hold on to that thing um, a little bit Because better. he had another similar drop like that in the end zone uh, earlier in the season. I believe it was against the Chargers. Um, but his other two interceptions were just killers. They were on the first play of the possession. Yeah, don't even give yourself a chance, you know? Don't even give yourself a chance. Don't even give the defense a chance to rest. Um, both of those set the Dolphins up in Colts territory where they would score a touchdown and a field goal um, and an extra point. I feel like I have to say that for Colts you, games. You have to right now. It's unfortunate, but <laughs> it's been that way since week one right it's now. far from a given. Um, you know, hopefully Brissett, you know, they said he was up to 80%. Hopefully he can get closer to where Frank Wright and the staff feels com- comfortable to play him next week against the Jaguars, a division game of the division that seems to get more competitive and interesting by the week here. Um, we'll definitely talk more about that on the Thursday show, and we'll know more from Yeah, Brissette's we'll, we'll, we'll see how practice goes and stuff. And I, I just – I was really surprised on Saturday when the news came out that Brissette wasn't going to play because I know it had been limited in practice, but he had practiced Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. So, you know, you figure he's getting the bulk of the reps in practice – and then Saturday they say he's not going to play, and you're just like, well, didn't you just waste a week of reps for your backup quarterback? And I, I know, you know, Frank Reich says it's the role of the backup. You know, we did, couldn't get him as many snaps as we want because we thought Jacoby was going to play, but that's really tough on Hoyer. I mean, they're asking a lot of him. Uh, they really are. To, but then he played a heck of a lot better and more decisively in the game against Pittsburgh last week, and that's a pretty good defense that's out there too. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh defense is – Quite a bit better than Miami's. Um, that's putting it lightly there. Um, Wright kind of talked about with Brissett. He said earlier in the week he was moving so well we thought we could get him up to 90 95%. Um, and then by Friday he was still hadn't really progressed as fast as they had hoped. He was still around 80% health. So they decided to play it safe and keep him out. They said if they would have allowed him, Brissett would have played. He would have toughed it out. Um, but it was more so everything in practice was from the pocket. Nothing was off script, and that's what they were worried about. Yeah, well, and, and, and I mean, that is, as we talked about last week, lateral movement with that MCL is so key. So if you don't think you can evade guys in the pocket and stuff, then that's limiting Prisette as far as how he can be effective in a game. Yeah, and I guess one thing, you really got to dig deep, but the one thing Colts fans can take out of this, I would rather lose to the Dolphins than put Brissett back out there and have him further injure himself and lose him for the rest of the year or oh, yeah. for further time, anything I, like that. I just think they probably should have looked at it more as, you know what, and I know week to week, teams don't think like fans think, so no. we, we got to keep that in mind. But you do know you're playing the Dolphins. This is not a great Dolphins team. It's not worth what you just said it's not worth risking Jacoby Brissett's health um if he's got any doubt that he thinks he's going to go so maybe you just go ahead and 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 take the not take the L's and lose the game but just take the L that you're not going to have Jacoby this week go ahead and give Hoyer full practices at least a couple of days this week and so that he's a little bit better prepared would it have made a difference this week I don't know some of those throws were not even in the zip code of you know, being completed. So it may not have made any difference, but I, I feel like they did the disservice to their backup quarterback this week. Yeah, they definitely made it a little tougher on him. Uh, that's for sure. 
Um, really, the first half was just awful. There were boos as the Colts were heading into the locker room. Uh, the Colts did not get on the scoreboard in the first half. Only mustered up 108 yards of offense on 28 plays. They would go on to finish with 200 or 300 yards of offense. Uh, so they did step things up a little bit in the second half. Miami also, for Miami, played pretty well. They did not commit a penalty in the first half of the game. Miami didn't beat themselves, so no. let the Colts do that for them. No, they made some plays. Uh, I thought they were super aggressive. I'll, I'll give that to the, the defense. Um, you know, they didn't mind bringing some pressure on the Colts, and, and maybe that had some effect on uh, on Hoyer's, you know, ability to complete passes, which was not real good this week. Uh, so I'll, I'll give credit to Miami. I do feel uh, that this is, and this goes in with the Pittsburgh game last week. I did not feel like that was a game that the Steelers won, and I did not feel like the game. This was a game that the Dolphins won so much both weeks. They were games in which the Colts lost. Yeah, Colts back to back weeks kind of shot themselves in the foot. Um, kind of leaves you wondering if they have any more feet left to walk on. But something that definitely influenced the game, and I. Almost feel like it's not talked about enough as the Colts depleted wide receiver group. I mean, T.Y. Hilton being out is obviously a mm, huge, huge deal. Huge, Even if he's 75% when he's out there, it makes a difference in how the defense has to play. Yeah. Because in my, maybe Miami doesn't blitz quite as much because they know T.Y. could burn them deep. And in a game like this, one big play can make all the it, difference. That'll, that'll kill you, yeah. Um, T.Y. being out, the Colts are now 0-7 in games. T.Y. Hilton has missed. Kind of shows uh, his importance to the offense there. Devin Funches, you know, we, Colts lost him week one, so it's easy to forget that they're down a wide receiver mm-hmm. with him. But they are. He was He's clearly the number two receiver in that offense. Um, and Paris Campbell as well. Paris Campbell, I feel like his absence was underrated because he had 80 yards in the Pittsburgh game. Mm-hmm. And his ability to make a big splash play outside of outside of Hoyer doing anything. I mean, it could be an end around. It can just be those trick plays. And his athleticism gives him the ability to take it 20, 40, even to the house at any time. So his absence was missed more than I think some people um, – would be willing to admit. Well, where, where's your speed? And that that's what it comes down to on in the wide receiving core. Where's your speed? Well, your speed is uh, fu- you take Funchess out Finch of that conversation. On the sideline. <laughs> um, but uh, Paris Campbell's not in there, and Hilton's not in there. And then how many targets did Deion Kane have this week? Oh, zero, because he didn't dress for this one, did he, Joe? <laughs> no, he was waived. The Colts actually uh, must have been pretty frustrated with Deion Absolutely. Kane. He's had. With all these injuries, he's had opportunity to step up all season. He has done virtually nothing um, on Saturday. Indianapolis announced that they had parted ways with Deion Kane. They brought up Swag Kelly and Marcus Johnson from the practice squad. If any Colts fans were wondering who 83 was out there, that mm-hmm. was Marcus Johnson. I believe he wore like 16 last yeah, year. Yeah, he was, yeah, I think he was in the teens last year. Um, but yeah, that's who that was. Marcus Johnson didn't do anything on the day. So one catch for eight yards, Deion King could have done something similar to that, but we'll see, um, what he's able to do going forward. So the and, Deion King hype train has officially yeah, it's, crashed. It's crashed. Yeah. It, the, there was a gap in the tracks and it, it went right over cliff. So, uh, unfortunate, but again, that, that goes into on offense, where's your speed? Because uh, not that Kane was this great receiver for the Colts. He never uh, showed that. But he did have speed mm-hmm. with him not there, with Campbell out, with Hilton gone, 
and not playing in this game. I mean, and I do love Zach Pascal. You know that, but Zach Pascal's not a speed receiver. Chester Rogers, not a speed receiver. Where is your speed on offense? Where are your game breakers? No, They're, they don't have any. And I apologize to all the people who listen to this that don't play fantasy football, but I saw a lot of people pick up Zach Pascal this week. You know, seeing his last two performances and. I was not one of those people because while I love Zach Pascal, he is not at the level where you can re- consistently rely on him as a wide receiver. He's, he's not He's not your number one guy. No, or number two. No. Maybe number three, but you'd probably prefer him to be your number four. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's in there to block special teams, and his ability to make plays as a receiver has improved, but it's not at the point where you can go, okay, he, he, not, you feel not, comfortable yeah. with him out there. Not a reliable fantasy option, and if, if you're on defense and you're game planning the Colts and that's the guy that's your number one receiver, you're fine with it. You're not worried about you're it. You're not worried about it. Um, yeah, like you said, the Colts wide receivers did not show up in this game. Ebron and Jack Doyle did a lot of the heavy lifting in the passing game. Um, they combined for eight catches for 100 yards and a touchdown on 16 targets. Ebron saw 12 of those targets. Uh, Chapel kind of had the article earlier in the mm-hmm. week that Ebron yeah. wants the ball more, and they they try to do that maybe to the detriment of the team this week. Yeah, because uh, I mean this this is just such an Ebron stat line. Targeted 12 times, caught five of them for 56 yards. It it seems like every week Ebron does. Gets a lot of targets. He sure doesn't catch a high percentage. Of no, no, he doesn't. And that's, I guess, I guess last year was sort of the, the the outlier of his career, where he yeah he had some games obviously where he dropped passes and stuff last year, but the productivity offset that. Some of the the jaw dropping plays offset that. And this year it's been other than that end zone catch that he had. Yeah, there's been a severe lack of jaw dropping plays from Eric Ebron. Um, so certainly, certainly something Colts fans want to see a little more from there. Um, Colts wide receivers combined for five catches for 66 yards on 14 targets. That is not going to get done. No, nope. Um, I remember the Colts entered last offseason with wide receiver being one of the top problems when you looked at the roster. And uh, I understand injuries have impacted it quite a bit, but here we are in week 10 of the NFL season this year and wide receiver is still a critical problem and something you'd think Chris Ballard is still going to look to address. Oh, they, they have to. I mean, I mean we, we, we thought that we thought the Deion Kane was going to be a, a boost and he's not been. Uh, we thought, you know, maybe some potential in Reese Fountain. Well, he, he was out, out of the training yeah. camp. Uh, Paris Campbell, they say all kinds of great things about Paris Campbell, how dynamic Paris Campbell is. We saw that last week, but now he's got a broken hand. So yeah, he's, he he's out for a few weeks. In the year too. And he was already hurt. And then he had the, the, the procedure on his abdomen, you know, where something had gone there. So unfortunately, he's, he's not shown us that he can uh, contribute on a consistent basis. So they're still searching for answers at wide receiver. And, you know, hopefully it's just a rough year, but TY's getting up there around 30 years in age. And, you know, that stat I gave about the Colts are 0-7 in games T.Y. Hilton's missed kind of tells you how durable he's been mm-hmm. because he was drafted in 2012. He's yes. only missed seven games of his career. Unfortunately, several of them are coming this season. Yeah, he's and, had two stints on the injured list. And a player who's getting older is not very big. You have to wonder if his body's kind of starting to break down, kind of like 
very different wide receivers. But we saw with A.J. Green, he was very durable in Cincinnati for a long time. And then once he got close to 30, it's not like a big injury like a torn ACL or anything like that. But those ankles, those calves, those things kept popping up and kept them from playing. They turn into these nagging injuries where these guys just can't quite get over it. Exactly. You know, A.J. Green still didn't play this week. No, he thought he was going to. He thought he was going to, and he didn't. So uh, you hope that's not the case with... Uh, Hilton, and I do think a lot of people underestimate his toughness. I would hope that after last season where he played with that injury and didn't practice but just was a game-breaker for those games when the Colts needed him, I would think that that would prove people otherwise. Um, But, gosh, they they need him back so bad right now. Yeah, they really do. And I know Frank Wright had the comments last week that T.Y. is a freak. His body heals faster than your average human being. He's probably still in at least one more game, I would think, away from returning because it'll be he missed the past two games. He hurt the calf in practice the Wednesday before the Pittsburgh game. So it hasn't even been a two full weeks. Right. right. It'll be two full weeks since he hurt the calf this Wednesday. Um, He was given a three to four week timetable. So maybe he misses this game against the Jaguars and returns just in time to play Houston Thursday night. I I was thinking that the Colts were hoping that he would be back by the Houston game. Yeah. Uh, They would love to have him back for the Jacksonville game, Uh, without a doubt, but I think that's kind of, in my mind, that's kind of the one that they had zeroed in on that they'd like to have him back for. And Funchess as well. I mean, he still has not returned to practice. We'll see what he can do this week. We'll see how quickly the Colts coaches are willing to get him back into the lineup after missing so much time. How much practice reps does he need? Um, But really, the Colts just need any help they could get at wide receiver. Um, Another question I have after this game is, where is this so-called dominant Colts running game? It was just okay again this week, and it has been just okay for much of the season. Um, The Colts finished with 109 rushing yards on 29 carries against the NFL's 31st-ranked run defense. That's second worst, and they weren't able to do anything. I understand the lack of a passing game certainly allows Miami to key in on the running game much more than they would have been able to if they had to worry about a T.Y. Hilton or Jacoby Brissett, you know, even being back there throwing the ball. But, you know, five of Marlon Mack's 19 runs went for negative yards or no gain. And I heard them talking about that on the broadcast yesterday. Marlon Mack goes negative on a large percentage of his runs. Um, I know part of it is him being so patient, allowing his great offensive line to create those holes from him. And sometimes he's, you're like, what's he doing back there? And all of a sudden he hits the gap and gets the yards. But with an offense as as um, depleted, or at least passing game as it was, those negative plays or plays for no gain just really kill you. Even if all you had was two, three yards, take the two or three yards is what I feel like. I know I remember on one of their drives they were running the ball pretty well in the second half, and then they did sort of a toss play to the outside, and then suddenly it's second 13, and that was pretty much Kills the you. end of that. Yeah. You know? With an offense that is has so many injuries in the passing game, to get off schedule to they ended up in far too many third and longs and in that those negative plays is a big reason why Hoyer ended up throwing the ball 39 times the Colts going into this game there's no way they saw we want Brian Hoyer to throw the ball almost 40 absolutely not you you want you want to flip that you you want you know 45 40 40 runs and, and maybe 25 pass attempts exactly so you know 
for a running game that looked like it was the real deal after the Chargers game in week one, it has really come crashing back to earth. Not that it's been terrible. No, no. I mean, because they did do some good things in the second half, but it just it was kind of too late and not enough, and we needed bigger plays than to grind it out. Almost makes you wonder if the Colts are going to be a true power run football team. Marlon Mack is a very is a good running back. Almost makes you wonder if he needs uh, more of a more of a partner in crime back there. Someone else who can spell him. Um, someone who he's getting a lot better at getting those tough yards up the middle. But you still just feel like the Colts are missing that bruiser in the backfield who's just gonna run guys over. And even if there's nothing there, he's gonna put his head down and get three, four yards out of it. Because they, they don't really have anybody like that on the no, roster. That's, no. a, that's a pounder. The closest thing was maybe Jordan Wilkins, who had some good runs uh, Sunday before he got hurt. We'll see. It didn't seem too serious. It seemed more like a sprained ankle or something like that. We'll see uh, and find out more about his injury as the week I, goes I, along. I, I did notice that one time in a fairly key situation that Marlon Mack had gone to the sideline. They had Naheem Hines down the sideline, and then it was Jonathan Williams back there because yeah. Jordan Wilkins was hurt. And that's your fourth string running back. And why why isn't Mack in there? Why isn't Naheem Hines in there? But you know, sometimes guys do need to get a rest, and sometimes guys do get dinged up during a game. So I'm not going to get too too out of control on that. No, I mean for your point, Mack only played 46 percent of the offensive snaps, which is surprising because. You would imagine he, the coaches would have drawn it up for him to be the centerpiece of the offense for this game. He's really your best uh, skill player. I'm not going to compare him to the offensive lineman. No, no. But for this game with the injuries the Colts had, Mack was their best skill player, and he only played 46% of the snaps. Uh, Naheem Hines was right behind him at 43. Um, I understand they want to keep him fresh, but the Colts did not run the ball well enough to win this game with a backup quarterback with three wide receivers injured which they should have been able to because that's what that's what the team's identity is supposed to be that we can manhandle the other team and impose our will on them and then we just need to get some timely throws from our quarterback and unfortunately they did not do any of that this week have not been able to dominate on the ground as of late adam Venteri continues to struggle and um you know what? If you want to put this loss on him, I, it's hard to argue that as well. Brian Hoyer, I would say, certainly is the biggest scapegoat for this game. But um, after he did make two field goals, uh, there were two in the third quarter, 25-yarder and a 39-yarder. But then he missed the extra point um, after Jack Doyle's touchdown, the only Colts touchdown of the game. It was Adam Vinatieri's sixth missed extra point of the season. That's that's egregious. Yeah, that's, he's missed 11 kicks now, Joe. Uh, six of them are extra points. That's supposed to be automatic. And, you, you know, you always play, you know, well, what if, if Vinatieri had made that field goal, then the Colts on the final drive of the game, instead of having to go for the touchdown, in theory, they could have gone for the tie and tied things up at 16-16. to 16. You know, and, and this is kind of where it's gotten to in, in my head anyway is – you know, used to when Adam Vinatieri lined up for a kick. Yeah, you can just book it. And, and every once in a while, yeah, even the great ones miss a kick. Yeah. But w- when he missed that extra point, then that meant that the Colts had to, after they coughed up the, the well, the interception, and then the, the Miami got up by four points, my father and I were almost relieved that the Colts needed to have a touchdown because that meant that we didn't have to trot Vinatieri out to come up and 
try to kick a field goal because that's the point that it's gotten to with one of the greatest, the greatest kicker of all time, the NFL. You just can't even rely on him to hit a 40 yard field goal anymore. He's missed more extra points and field goals this season, which is really just perplexing. I mean, I, I feel like I say it every week. It doesn't appear to be a leg strength thing. He's just flat missing them. So I don't know if he, I don't want to say mental sharpness, but whatever it is that it, he's kind of, in. It, there's something going on, and we may never know. This may be one of those things that once the season's over, two or three months, there's a, a story that comes out on, on what was really going on in this this season from Adam Vinatieri. But, you know, if his name weren't Adam Vinatieri, he would not be on an NFL roster right no. now. Or he would not be on the Colts NFL roster anyway. Um, you know, and again, and I'm not going to compare, I guess I am going to compare Deion Kane to Adam Vinatieri, but here's Deion Kane, second-year player coming off an ACL surgery, has been disappointing to the team, and maybe there's other things that go along. Maybe it's just not on-field performance. Maybe there's some other stuff going on we don't know about. This is a second-year player they drafted a couple years ago. They waive him, so he's no longer with the team uh, due to his lack of production. Vinatieri, and I understand Adam Vinatieri is Adam Vinatieri, Hall of Famer, but, I mean, this is to the point now where he is costing the team games, and they're just going to stick with him. And I, I don't I, – I think that's awfully hypocritical. Yeah, er, earlier in the year I was kind of saying, well, you know, it's not like there's just good kickers out there on the street. I mean, what's out there is probably not better than Adam Vinatieri, so you're better off just right. ke- keeping the legend in the building for one more year. You know, he has made game-winning field goal this year um, against the Dol- I'm sorry, the Denver Broncos. Yeah, and um, that 51-yarder was a no-doubter. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then he comes up and he can't hit a 33-yard extra point. Well, and then you watch Atlanta kicker in his first game, Young Ho Koo, mm-hmm. come in and go 6-for-6 six six and really play an intricate role in the 1-7 and seven Falcons beating the Saints. Yeah. So at least we're not. You know, at least the Colts aren't the only team who had an embarrassing loss at home this week. He's but. one of the guys they brought in a few weeks ago um, when they tried out the six kickers after the the second game of the year. You know, with Vinatieri having tr- struggles. So um, yeah, I just it's it's baffling and it's also it's sad because this is a guy who's a, a great NFL player and you know people. I hope people remember him for the kicks he made for. You know, when he was with the, the, the Patriots and he had the two big Super Bowl kicks. And, you know, the, the game that the Colts needed him when they played Baltimore in the playoffs and he hit five field goals on a tough day for the defense, or a tough day for the offense. Couldn't get in the end zone against a really good Ravens defense and that helped propel them to the AFC Championship game. I hope people remember Adam Vinatieri for those things, but my fear is he just kind of has, has lost it this season. He's missed 11 kicks now. And I hope that that's not the lingering thought that people have of him. Doesn't that kind of sound, I mean, aside from the details of the kicks, doesn't that sentiment kind of sound like what we were saying about Andrew Luck? We hope people remember Andrew Luck for the great player he was, the great competitor he was, the injuries he fought through, not for the way he went out. Yeah, It, it, it kind of seems like that kind of year for the Colts where they're just forced to go through this transition of the most popular Stars on the team, even players at legend status, going out on a bad note. Yeah, and it, it, it stinks. It's the worst thing that you can think of as a fan for that to happen. Because Vinatieri is a popular player. People love him here. Oh, yeah. And I love him, but he's not making his kicks. 
And he's costing ball games now, and that's that's the difference. Is the first couple games of the season, you're like, okay, well, maybe we got off a little little bit off course. We can right the ship, and then things will be nice and consistent. And they've not been. Even the week that he hit the two fifty yard field goals and the forty five yarder against the Broncos, he still missed an extra point and another kick in that game. So the the reason they had to have a game winning kick at the end was because they'd missed kicks earlier. AFC special teams. Player <laughs> AFC of the special teams. That's player always going to make me laugh. Yeah. Um, Let's. Uh, I think uh, the final drive there merits breaking down. The Colts march all the way down the field, or almost all the way down the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, the drive started at Miami, or the drive started at the Colts' own 25-yard line. They make it all the way down to Miami's 16-yard line. First and 10 uh, for Miami 16 with 59 seconds left. I believe the Colts had all three of their timeouts they did, at yes. this point, too. Yes. Three straight incompletions. I believe two of them were going for like the back of the end zone, back corner of the end zone. So all of a sudden you go from, you know, first and 10 there, plenty of time. You can go all over the field. You can run the ball if you want to. You can do whatever you want. So now it's fourth and 10 with a backup quarterback and we'll say backup receivers in the Mm -hmm. game as well. And they throw a eight-yard pass that's completed to Eric Ebron, who didn't even run the route past the first down line. It's got to be so frustrating, and it's really got to make you question the play calling and the decision-making at that point in the game. Um, Hoyer, after the game, said, quote, When they're playing man, you want to take advantage of opportunities and take a shot. So looking back, when I realize it's fourth down, you think back, maybe we could have taken a shorter gain. But those three opportunities before, I felt like we had legit chances to score. Um, Hoyer just kind of admitting He'd rather just take the three shots at the end zone than get a little closer. I guess it, in his mind, it didn't make that much of a difference from him. But when it's – you're not in goal yet. Yeah, you can th- still pick up the it. first down. Um, and you kind of limit your chances if you don't go for the first down at all and just go, okay, touchdown or nothing here. Um, what did you think of that last drive? I, I, I That's the thing is it stalled there on the 16-yard line, and they had – they had a really nice drive on on uh, that going. Uh, Chester Rogers made a heck of a catch mm-hmm. on that drive. They got down there, and I, I was I did not like the play calling there on those last few plays because, and the reason being, if they were in a if they were in a first and goal situation, this would be completely out the this would be completely different. But they weren't. They had a chance to pick up another first down, and I really think they did. And they had. Not only they had three timeouts, we're talking three timeouts. They have a chance to pick up another first down, which means it's like putting another quarter in and getting getting more plays, getting four more tries, getting four more tries. And they didn't even try to 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 get in get that first down, Uh, or at least try to get a four or five yard pass that makes it a more manageable higher percentage. Not a high percentage, but fourth and five is going to be better for you than trying to get something on fourth and ten. And then another decision you can question is they call the timeout before the fourth down play to figure out, you know, drop the best right. play they can. Yes. And so then they don't have enough timeouts to force Miami to give them the ball back if they get a three and out. So at that point in the game, it's all based on that that right. last Right, you better play. come up with something good if you're going to put yourself in that situation and you're going to take your timeout. And it was an eight-yard pass to Eric Ebron that had no chance no. of getting out first down. I didn't even think he caught it. They ruled it a catch. It really didn't matter because he wasn't even past. He wasn't even close to the first no, down marker. No, no. 
Um, I remember he got up and was like looking at the gen- dude. You're not even. No, you, it's not. It's not a thing, man. You did not, not run happening. that route near as far enough. Um, like we said before, if Hoyer does not throw the interception on the drive prior, that sets up a Miami field goal that makes the Colts have to score a touchdown. The Colts could have attempted a field goal from Miami's 16 yard line, which I think. I would rather Adam Vinatieri kick a field goal from that distance and have Hoyer try and pick up a fourth and ten. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, if Adam Vinatieri makes his extra point earlier in the game, they can attempt the field goal. But so many mistakes earlier in the game put the Colts in that position where they still had a chance to win. That's the thing about the Pittsburgh game, too. So many mistakes Maddening. in the game. They still have a chance to win it at the end and can't get it done. They, they even... Uh... You know, Hoyer got blasted on a sack fumble, uh, which Marlon Mack recovered. I th- the guy came right up the middle, and that took him out of field goal range. Yeah. On that, that was, drive. That was another one because the ball ended up even going behind Hoyer, mm-hmm. I believe, and yep. Mack had to jump back and dive yep. on it. So that was another one right there. Um, you know, this loss is definitely on the Colts' offense. I would say if you're going to put it on anybody, oh, Hoyer. Oh, for sure. Um, Vinatieri didn't help. The defense was terrific. I mean, they held Miami to 16 points. Um, I should have looked, Chapel listed off the stat. The Colts are like 32 and four, or whatever the stat is in the last, since 2012 in games where they've held their opponent under 17 points. Great track record. Really, in today's NFL, if you hold another team under 20 points, your team should mm-hmm. win. You should win. Yes. You should win that game. Um, 10. Of the 16 points given up were from turnovers that gave Miami the ball in Colts' position. One of them, they had him at the 12, that bad interception. Miami ran it back to the 12, and then Fitzpatrick was able to run in uh, the Dolphins' only touchdown in the game. Um, Both those, they did get two turnovers on Miami, both of them forced by Darius Leonard, who was just an absolute beast. Um, Do we even have to reveal... Reveal defensive player of the game. I feel like he's the oh, obvious Darius, choice. Darius Leonard was all over the place. There were a couple of runs that it looked like Miami's guy was going to get to the outside, and then that guy has such good sideline to sideline speed, oh, yeah. man. He just closes them out. Um, he had the interception. He had the strip. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's not even a contest. Yeah, uh, the Maniac finished with this absurd stat line of 13 tackles, two passes defended, a forced fumble, an interception, and a sack as well. It does not get much better than that from the linebacker position. Another player who I feel like pretty consistently I've said was all over the place and had a good game Mm -hmm. as well is rookie safety Kari Willis. Second on the team. Uh, and tackles in this game, he had eight of them, one of them for a loss. You'll take that at your rookie safety any week. Uh, Justin Houston continues his streak. He had one of the Colts' three sacks in this game. He now has a sack in five straight contests, seven on the season. He is certainly worth the money. Let's just hope the... It feels like earlier in the season, the offensive was playing a little better. Now the defense mm-hmm. is coming Starting together. To kick it up. Offense is falling apart. If the Colts could get... If the Colts' offense could get healthy and get right, I still feel like, despite falling to 5-4, and four, there's still just one game behind Houston for the division lead. Houston and Jacksonville both on a bye this week. You know, this AFC South, no one's really out of it at this point. It's all within one or two games there, so... These next few games down the line are really gonna, really gonna decide the season for these teams. And you can you can look at it half 
glass half full or glass half empty for the Colts because if they could have won the Pittsburgh game and this Miami game, two games that they should have won, let's make that very clear, they'd be in the driver's seat in the division. Unfortunately, they lost both of those games, but because things are still tight there and they've still got a lot of divisional games left to play, they can still kind of claw their way back into things, but they're going to have to do it the hard way now. Yeah, I mean, they're... You know, you talk about controlling their own destiny. We're not even close to saying, you know, the Colts need some lucky breaks to go their way. Um, They will have a chance, definitely, to control their own destiny. We've got three divisional games in a row, right? Three in a row um, at home this upcoming Sunday against the Jaguars. Jacksonville's coming off a bye. Nick Foles is expected to be back in this game. Um, And then after that, they play on Thursday night. In Houston, hopefully T.Y. can be back for that game. They need him. They need him badly if they really want to compete for this division. They really do. And then um, after that, they play at home against the Titans, who are just coming off a win against the Chiefs. <laughs> the Chiefs, they became the, the whipping boy for the AFC South. They How did really that have. Every, every team in the AFC South has beaten the Chiefs except for the Jaguars um, in week one when the Jaguars lost Nick Foles to the injury. Um, but... It's really interesting in the AFC. Um, You know, even the Chiefs, who you thought were going to be right up there with the Mm -hmm. Patriots, um, really haven't been. They've lost four games this year. So it's going to be interesting to see who's able to to really pull out with it. That Chiefs-Titans game I thought was really interesting because it brought the Titans up to 5-5. So they're right in the thick of it as well. Um, They beat the Chiefs. With Mahomes coming back, and mm-hmm. Mahomes did not look rusty at all. No? He looked like Mahomes. Uh, Derrick Henry went off for a buck eighty-eight and two touchdowns. Ryan Hinn- Tannehill continues to be an improvement over Marcus Mariota. Um, he didn't have to do a ton of throwing volume-wise. Thirteen of nineteen for one eighty-one, two passing touchdowns, no interceptions. He did have a fumble on a sack, but those are sometimes hard to pin on the quarterback. Um, I got to be honest, I did not exactly see that play. Tennessee's defense returned a t- fumble for a touchdown, and they also blocked a last-second Kansas City Chiefs field goal attempt that would have tied the game up if they made it and sent it to overtime. Uh, and so that's a pretty good way for the Titans to go off and head into their bye week, kind of similar to the Colts when they beat the Chiefs and went mm-hmm. into their bye. Yep. So I think uh, Colts have to feel pretty fortunate that the next game against the Titans is at home, not in Tennessee, because Tennessee is a different football team than what they were in Week Two. Well, it, it's the the roller coaster of the NFL season really is something because last week we were talking about Tennessee and Tannehill. Maybe he wasn't the answer, you know, because he'd had the good week before, then he didn't have the great week, and then they get a big win uh, against Kansas City this week. But you know, they're they're positioned. Everybody in the AFC South is positioned where they could still win the division. And they've still got some games to beat up on each other and figure out who's going to be left standing. That's right. AFC South, Houston at 6-3, and three, Colts at 5-4, and four, Titans at 5-5, five and five, and the Jaguars at 4-5. and five. So it's going to be a great race down the stretch. I think that'll just about wrap things up for the Monday edition of the Colts Blue Zone. Such a podcast. sad Monday, Joe. Such a sad Monday. Two sad Mondays in a row. Two sad Mondays in a really, row. You know, if, if you're listening to this, you're a true Colts fan. Absolutely. Thank you, because I got to be honest, I don't think I would want to listen to a podcast about how the Colts <laughs> lost to the Dolphins. So we appreciate your listenership. I hope you will be listening to our Thursday podcast, where we will have more hope 
and break down the Colts' upcoming matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I will be joined on that show by Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Um, for today, I am Joe Hopkins. This is uh, Matt Adams. You can find him on Twitter at Statomatty. You can find me at Roto Street Joe. You can follow the podcast or the Colts Blue Zone on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. That's where you'll find, you know, the latest information on everything Colts. We really put the whole power of Fox 59 and CBS 4, all of our sports reporters, um, through that Colts Blue Zone Twitter account. So follow us there for all the lo- latest Colts tidbits updates, injuries, all that good stuff. Um, So thanks for listening, and this has been the Colts Blue Zone.